I didn't like calling it a, a craft or work or anything because I just wanted it to be more magical and mysterious than that because all the great songs that I've ever loved just feel like they've you know either existed forever but they just come from this place that's so otherworldly you know like how can this exist how did somebody create this you know and um it's good when they can feel like that i got thoughts in my head can't get them out trying not to think what i'm thinking about i got thoughts in my head can't get them out trying not to think what i'm thinking about Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another Fire Drill podcast. That evocative intro music you've gotten used to listening to is by Griffin House, very talented singer-songwriter. After all these fire drills with that beautiful song, we figured, you know what, let's bring the man himself on to talk about the connection of golf and music and a little bit about his life and he's got a new album. And we figured the best place to convene this roundtable is here at Sand Valley. We are here for the Uncle Tony Invitational brainchild of matt janella uh he's podcasted about it i've written about it as long-standing um ultimate buddies trip matt's here we're joined by Shakir king grammy winning producer who collaborated with griffin on his most recent album the patriarch of this whole deal john ashworth uh and we're all wearing link soul clothes uh you know we love ashy he's sort of the, the spiritual godfather of this gathering and, of course, Griffin House, who's strumming a guitar. So, Griffin and John and Shakir and Matt, uh, thanks for doing this. Let's start with you, Griffin. Like, uh, This is your first UTI, as we like to call it. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think of this little gathering? It's a pretty special <laughs> event here. Um, I, uh, it's, it's so much golf, and it's so overwhelming to be out here playing in these places. I feel like I'm on a different planet out here, you know? But uh, I'm always trying to escape and clear my head and play golf as much as i can when i'm not playing music so definitely getting my fill out here it's been wonderful it's so fun for the listeners you should know that, that griffin is a very strong stick playing off two uh after watching him hit an eight iron about 180 yards i said uh what is your your club head speed with a driver and he said Duh, 122 123 <laughs> i mean that's upper echelon of the pga tour the guy can move it um <laughs> So you have a background in competitive golf. Like, let's hear a little bit about your, your journey through golf because it's been a little circuitous. Oh, yes. Yeah. I started playing when I was a, a little kid, probably eight or nine. My dad was a, a great golfer. He, he quit about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. He had kind of a bad back, but he was, a, he was a, like plus two, plus three. Great ball striker, taught me how to play, and um, was a, a pro in, uh, in Springfield named Pat Delaney that taught me a lot. I always go back to that, but I, I played in a ton, tons of junior tournaments and stuff when I was a kid and, um, you know, traveled around and played and played a lot in Ohio and um, kept playing through high school and had an offer to play at Ohio University, but I was just super burned out with golf at that point and a little discouraged, to say the least, and I just kind of decided to go off to school and I when I got there I was like man I can be whoever I want to be here like no one knows who I am no one knows this former identity that I've had so I I had a guitar and I I taught myself to play with these guys that lived in my dorm they were a bunch of them were music majors that lived in an arts dorm so I learned a bunch of stuff from them and one thing led to another I started singing in a band and 
started getting a little bit better at guitar and, and I was an English major couldn't do much with the English major degree so I was in a in a, a poetry class at the end of the term and I played a song and read the poem in class and my poetry professor said oh yeah I would do that instead of becoming a poetry professor <laughs> so <laughs> I just, he gave me the green light to go uh, try it out you know I said I had nothing to lose so I just kind of went and I had some beginner's luck and just kept going and kind of snowballed into being what I've done for the last 20 years. Wow. Do you remember that teacher's name? Dr. David Schloss. Yes, he was from Manhattan. He was a really funny guy. He used to read The Onion before class every day because it was a pretty laid back environment. But uh, he took the poetry serious, but we had a lot of fun with it. I feel like everybody, everybody in, in life has, um, everybody has a, has a, a moment in which someone sort of nudges them into like what actually they really want to do we hope yeah. hope hopefully everybody gets that opportunity so here you are then sort of t charting this path to music and you're incorporating obviously english you're writing and you're recording how, how is that how has the path been to sort of being a mu musician well when I moved to Nashville, it was a very different town. It was much smaller, and there was not a lot of people doing like an alternative type of singer-songwriting stuff. There was a big Christian music industry and obviously a big country music industry, and so it felt a lot easier to get noticed. I mean, I don't know if, if it was just like right place, right time, but I moved down there without really having any idea what I was doing, and I kind of went full speed, and within, you know, I was working downtown. I'm, Broadway selling trinkets at, at midnight to make 650 an hour and one day I got a call from a major record label in New York City and all of a sudden I'm like whoa I got it I got the call you know like got the call that was the big break and um, I made a record it came out in the US and Europe and Canada and it was just like kind of beginner's luck type stuff but all this crazy stuff kept happening right out of the gate like you know I was opening up for John Mellencamp or then I was like the next night I was meeting Willie Nelson and like Bruce Springsteen and I was Jesus. like man this this is crazy you know it's just like you have this wild dream in your head that you dream up as a kid and then all, all of a sudden it starts coming true and you're like well I guess I was right and this music business thing doesn't seem so hard when all that stuff's happened so fast <laughs> and then after that you know I, I put a record out and I realized like how hard it was after that it was like definitely it turned into much more of a uh, wow this is going to be like hopefully if i'm lucky like a 20 or 30 year slow work really hard career and <laughs> try to climb one step at a time and you know and, and i've lived through the music business changing from like when record stores were open and people were buying physical cds to going you know from napster to apple downloads and then streaming and just i've seen the whole music business change from like the time i started until now and um I think I've just been lucky enough to early on, I kind of built a live following and um, that's kind of how I've maintained being a musician over the years is just being willing to tour a lot and even get out there by myself, you know, driving myself to the shows, carrying my own gear, selling my own merch, um, just kind of doing all that stuff. And, and I played on the band on the road with a band for years, but now that I've been married 14 years and, you know, just, just touring around by myself and playing a handful of shows and coming home so I can be with the family is like how I make it work. So I've just kind of found my own way, you know, just by trial and error and trying to figure out how to keep making music and keep playing for people. But uh, I still love it so much. So I feel so lucky to be able to do it. 
Griff, you told a great story about how you kind of linked up with John Ashworth. It just, you were at a, at a pro shop, you saw a cool shirt, you went to the website. You're like, wow, this kind of looks like the kind of stuff I would want to wear. And, yeah. And then, um, and then your manager, you re- reached out to the company. And the, but John, tell us from your perspective, like how, how this guy entered your life and your world and, and, and what it's meant to you. Yeah, no, it was great. It was, uh, he reached, he, he saw it, researched it, and then sent an email, I think. And then anyway, it was Patrick Keegan. Yeah. Who was, we were like, who's this Griffin House guy? He seems to really like Link. So I didn't really know who he was, and I don't think Jeff did either. And Patrick was like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. Like, you got to see this guy. So that's kind of how we got started, right? Yeah, then we went down to, you guys, without meeting me, invited me down to Mexico. We went down to Mexico. For the magazine. Puta Mita. Yeah, it was great. Had a blast. And and then, of course, you know, I, I listened, I Heard his music and absolutely loved it. And then we went and teed it down there. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm playing with Ben Hogan. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> his swing is, like, beautiful. It's flawless. So he's got it all going on, man. Music and golf. I'd like to be good at good just little one combo. of those things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, you have this new record coming out. And sitting next to you at your right elbow is Jakir King, who – Help bring it to life, like Jakir. Tell us in, in your words, like what this this uh, this album's about and why it's. You've you've worked with a lot of big time musicians and you've you've been in the room where it happened for a lot of great music. But what is it about about Griffin that's kind of special? Um, well, Griffin lived in Nashville for how long? Twenty, almost twenty years. Almost twenty yeah. years. And so I've I've been there for uh, almost twenty three now. Um, so we were around a lot and shared a lot of common friends. And I was an, an admirer of his from a distance. And, um, you know, it, we had the opportunity. Uh, Matt brought uh, Griffin to an event last year that the three of us were at. And we started a, a kind of a, you know, it was really wonderful to meet Griffin. And I, you know, we kind of talked to each other about, you know, our awareness of one another. And, um, uh, and Matt, you know, suggested you know that like it'd be really cool if we recorded some music together and you know we started talking about it and we just kind of took the bull by the horns and um in the spring you know because griffin also shared with me at that time that he was um he'd been inspired to get into writing some more kind of comes in seasons you know he was feeling inspired and and um i was like well you know let's just talk about let's talk about making some music together because it's like i've been an admirer of yours and um, so he sent me some songs and, you know, they're some beautiful songs. Griffin's a very talented songwriter. And, uh, yeah, we just, we kind of made some plans from there and partnered and made a, uh, a very beautiful EP. It's called The Tides, five, five songs. Um, yeah. And I, I think I'd like, Griffin, I'd like you to kind of tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, what, where the, some of the inspiration comes from. For lack of a better, I, I mean, I, I call them like, I don't know if they're like synchronicity or you just like follow your gut or like my wife would call them God moments or something. But I think when, when we all met and, um, you know, Matt and John came to my show in San Diego and you liked the song Try Not To Think that you that you put on the podcast and there was just like a, there was a vibe and an energy happening and um, we got just to talking about making making some music and working together in some capacity and it's kind of weird how like golf in some weird way 
brought us together to create this uh, this creative moment. And as we kept talking, I just got inspired to like, wow, if we're gonna do something, I better start writing some songs. And so I, I had the inspiration to just sit down and, you know, I, I'm not always doing that because I'm like busy with life and family and everything else. So sometimes it takes a little kick in the pants to get going a little bit. But uh, yeah, the, the, the muse came in the room and started talking to me and I just said, okay, I better listen. And I just tried to start writing some stuff. And before I knew it, I had, you know, a handful of songs and um, felt, felt lucky. I didn't know if they were any good, but I sent them to you and I was like, well, let's, if you like these, let's, let's record some stuff. And so, yeah, it's just cool how meeting, uh, meeting new people that are on, on like paths and are, whose paths are crossing for whatever mysterious reason we don't know, but felt, felt right in my gut and it all happened really naturally. And that's kind of how, I don't know, that's how I've meandered through the world and through the, through the music business and life in general, is just kind of following my gut and doing what feels right and just felt right. So it's, it's been an amazing journey. You were doing some meandering out there on the Lido today. I was watching your, your, you <laughs> step it out out there, man. You, you, you're, you're, you're chat, you're charting your ball. You step over the ball. Boom! You were hitting some shots. Oh, dude! I played with him. I played with him. I saw it all day. I, 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 was, <laughs> I was inside the ball. I go. I'm just going to look towards the pin, and yeah, boom! Every yeah. time the ball was no, landing. No, it's really fun. Fun to really watch. Impressive. Um, uh, before, before. I mean, it's it's this whole thing, you know, in terms of it's called John Link, Link Soul. It's Link Soul. Griffin. Yeah, that's what it know, is. Jakir, maybe Jakir Griffin. Oh, golf! Here we are, Uncle Tony. Uh, you know, Linking Souls. <laughs> <laughs> we're around a That's fire pit in Sand Valley, That's and we're you know playing music. But um, so all of that is amazing, and that is golf. That is what it, this is. This is the whole. And Uncle Tony, by the way, who was the ultimate link soldier? Like Uncle Tony was the re he was the one who basically taught me in life. It's about relationships. It's about the people you know who who you hang around with, and getting good people together at a place like this to have a sort of camaraderie building is is what it's all about um in terms of your album and a song like would you want to talk us through sort of the writing of a song and play a song for us give us a little yeah, sure. background um i had no agenda um with what i wanted to write about i was just like can you give me some songs here i need some songs so um, is it a word like when you say that that I, I mean I can kind of you know I get what you're saying but is it is it a word is it a moment is it a is it a movie is it something um, you see is it like where what does fall out of the sky I was in Seattle one day um, and I was walking down in on the streets of this neighborhood that I really love it's the Scandinavian fishing village just north of Seattle called Ballard and I, I like to stay there and I play across the street at this place called um, the Tractor Tavern and I just stay in town I kind of like live there for a few days and just soak up the energy but there's all these locks and waterways and boats and it just feels really this little mystical place it's enchanting and um, they had a they had like a farmer's market going on or something and I was like walking around town just people watching and all of a sudden I just started like this old familiar sea shanty melody that's that been recycled a few times and is definitely out there but it was going through my mind i just started going like ballard town oh ballard town there's no place like it anywhere i've found and i just kept doing that and i had that in my back pocket and i went home and then i just wrote this huge verse for that and um that was kind of the beginning of the song and then then i just couldn't put down my guitar for like a month i just kept 
trying to see what was going to happen next and i wrote i wrote four or five or six songs um maybe more than that but we we picked like the the five strongest ones and went after those and um the song we kind of picked for the for the song to focus on and the um single of the album is a song called lifeline that's just sort of about finding a finding a friend and and some support and kind of a hard time you know hard time and um how kind of people can pull you through um hard spots so we, we picked that song to to be the single so um yeah i could play that one i don't know play it sounds play, amazing play it here on the guitar <laughs> yes <All> please I was dying like the autumn leaves I was burning out, I was on my knees I'd given up, I was almost done I was fading fast as the setting sun And then you came out of nowhere And I'm safe whenever you are there I used to get so dark and now I feel so light Suddenly the whole world looks bright I used to really want to leave this place But I haven't been the same since I found your face You're my lifeline You're my lifeline you're my lifeline You're my lifeline I used to worry all the time Now I don't care I dream sweet dreams Cause I know you're here I used to get so mad I used to get so blue I used to not know How to make it through And then you Came out of nowhere And I'm safe whenever you are there You're my lifeline You're my lifeline You're my lifeline You're my lifeline I was sick of being tired, I was tired of being sick I had a wall around me ten feet thick Nothing was working, nothing ever helped And then you saw me in a way I couldn't see myself And it feels good to be happy again It feels good to finally find a friend You're my lifeline. 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 You're my l
my lifeline You're my lifeline You're my lifeline You're my lifeline You're my lifeline That's amazing. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> and again, the writing is the uh, to me the like you like you know the idea when you you describe it as it falls out of the sky and then you must flush all that out and create that narrative is just is just amazing. Yeah, it goes through like many iterations. I mean, I must have written seven or eight or ten different versions of that song with all different lyrics and then i remember one night i was in a hotel room i normally stay with my friend in austin but he had moved into another house and he didn't have room for me he was like in a condo this time or something he sold his big nice house down on congress and so i wasn't able to stay with him and i ended up in this hotel room for the first time and it was right around when i couldn't put my guitar down and then that night like all those words just came to me and I stayed up several hours and wrote them all down and then all of a sudden I had this song called Lifeline and I'd been strumming on those chords for weeks, you know, and then all of a sudden it just appeared. The music fit right into the chords, kind of? Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, you're not giving yourself enough credit, Griff. Like, I know how much craft goes into into writing. Like, the inspiration comes to you at unexpected times, but clearly there's there's a lot of labor and there's a lot of toil to to bring that song to life i mean what's the longest you've ever worked on on a song and had it, it like how haunt you almost until you got it right <laughs> i don't know how long i've like worked on a specific thing but i know that sometimes you'll have like a little um you know like the little guitar part for the guy that says goodbye to you is out of his mind was something that i remember playing in college at some point and then the words didn't come till like five years later so I, I knew I had this part that was kind of cool but I'd never put anything to it and then one afternoon just like the whole kind of poem came to me and I don't know how that happens but whether it's like hearing something else that inspires you or you just get a little click in your mind that tells you what you want to write about or you're just ready but I think all the all the practice that you do of like doing it wrong a million times is like prepares you for the moment when like it walks in the room and you just have to catch it you know it's like it's just sort of a moment where like charles buzkowski said that all writing is basically just like waiting you wait and wait and wait until the like fly lands on the wall and then you smack the shit out of the fly and that's basically like how he described poetry and i kind of find that too it just and i i didn't like calling it a a craft or work or anything because i just wanted it to be more magical and mysterious than that because all the great songs that I've ever loved just feel like they've you know either existed forever but they just come from this place that's so otherworldly you know like how can this exist how did somebody create this you know and um it's good when they can feel like that that's cool I, one of the things that's that I love about this tournament when I'm at home the guys I play with don't really listen to music on the golf course and so yeah. I, but then you come here and we have different pairings every day and every single group there's always music playing on the speakers and depending who you're paired with it might be hip-hop it might be 70s rock it might be more modern stuff uh, i'm just wondering for all you guys like that connection between golf and music it's pretty profound for a lot of folks so how like for you ashley how well, would you honestly, describe it? today we didn't have music did yeah. we we didn't have music we did have music we today. didn't have music we we're full nature trotting yeah, yeah. it was good yeah no, it was fine. I, I love it both, you know, either way, music or non-music. But 
yeah, nobody was caring today. So it was great, though. It was it was a little bit of a zinned out course anyway. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. full. That thing, Lolita, was just a piece of artwork. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing spot to be able to. Tom Doak, man, should take a bow on that one. Don't you think? It's pretty. It's otherworldly. It's just. It doesn't. I just. I just feel like if you could, how you could do that to bring a course that was that famous back in another spot and get it, you know, within the inch is just crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, Griff, a, a lot of musicians love golf. Uh, what is that connection that you guys have? And- it used to be so uncool to admit, like if, if I if you knew of a musician that played golf, he didn't want anybody to know about it, you know. <laughs> and uh, I've like played a couple rounds with Todd Snyder in East Nashville, and he like I swear he told me not to tell anybody that he was playing. Yeah, I thought he was going to ruin his street cred <laughs> or something. But now it's just become, you know, I think it's as golf's gotten more popular and it's changed over the years, and it's been seen in a lot different a different through different lens. Um, you know, even for myself, it was like, I wanted to put that old person behind me and like become something completely different. You know, I was almost like, I don't want anything to do with that world anymore. And now it's really interesting how for myself personally, it's become really integrated. And I think it's been, you know, for the world in general too, it's been really integrated. I think in this weekend feels like that where there's a lot of, uh, it's like a different style of, of golf. And, you know, like guys are walking around with basketball socks on and like super cool outfits. There's music playing on the course and it's really different. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see some of the, like, some of the cliches about golf go away and have it, have it become, you know, kind of a deeper, more inclusive sport. What were your thoughts on the Lido? I thought it was really hard. Uh, I could tell from the first hole... I mean, I, I knew that those greens weren't going to hold and, um, I was like, how, but how much aren't they going to hold? Like if I, you know, if I don't, if I don't play a little bit close to the hole, I'm going to have a 50 foot putt. And then sure enough on the first hole, I had a 50 foot putt and I'm just like, oh man, if I'm going to have to get these down in two all day, it's going to be a long day, you know? But, um, it was kind of like that. And every time, like I hit one on the second hole and it was a pretty good shot and, I'm like groaning when it's in the air because I know it's going to be a 30-foot putt. And John's like, what's wrong with that one? It's like, I don't want to putt a 30-foot putt. I want like a 15-foot putt, you know, um, because I just I hate three-putting. So, um, and, and then when they're on greens that hard, it's just like trying to get a feel for the course. But um, it was certainly unusual in the, in the sense that like no trees, hard to know where to aim. Probably a good thing we had a couple caddies out there. Oh. <laughs> But it was really spectacular. It is really a a, uh, a stroll through a museum. It's it's very much a it's very much a feels like uh, there's something much different going on than anything or anywhere else you see. I think National Golf Links is the closest thing that I can compare it to, but it just is so much more um, pronounced. Yeah, uh, you know, um, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the walls. No, it's so the trippy. amount of walls and bunkers. I said earlier in our postman thing, it's no wonder why golf took so long to catch on because if they were playing that that golf course back in the day with those when old was the clubs, original? When was the, I should know this? When was the original one designed and built and everything? When did they? I think it was in the teens, 20s. in the twenties. Twenties. 
Yeah. 19 started, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. I mean. Yeah, how did people early keep days. playing? They probably I mean, played it once and said, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is this? That's like the Robin Williams bit on golf. <laughs> yeah, it's right. like just designed to torture totally. people. <laughs> oh, my God. That it was felt, a torture chamber. It felt, a little I mean, there, bit. You, it, you have to be so precise, precise, precise. off the tee. And then from the fairway and around the greens, and, and you don't know, greens. and you don't know what's lurking out there. You have no <laughs> idea. It is a beast. Yeah, um, the greens were in, just in, insane too, right? I mean, the there was. I, w- I walked up on several greens, going, I could fit nine of Goat Hill Park's greens yeah. on yeah. this green, easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> Nine on one green. Yeah, 18. Is, uh, 18, that's the one. I was like, oh, jeez. Oh, that approach out to 18, I was like, what is happening to me right now? I mean, the Redan teeth, the Redan Yeah. Shots, the oh. one that, I mean, I, I was curious about, Shakir, first of all, what do you think about the Lido? And then I also wanted to get your take on sort of uh, Griffin and his writing and how, uh, you know, what listening to him about that writing sort of... Um, ring you know sparks to you about in terms of all the artists you work with and they must all be different um yeah i mean well just the lido it uh it's just to get that out of the way um it's spectacular course very hard i didn't have i didn't have a great day out there um but it's uh it was really special. He did hit the, probably the best shot on the par 3 number whatever that was you guys 16. played together today yeah yeah he you know he, he had a rough day, but he held it together, and he fuck, he played great at the end. Cool. And he uh, he had an amazing shot on that par three that had, that kind of wraps down to the the pin was yeah. way in the back 16. left. Yeah. yeah, sixteen. He hit it to like twelve feet. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. So anyway, there was one. That was good. <laughs> um, hey, uh, that's it was, all you, you know, need. it's it's one. super cool. Um, it's it, honestly, I was a little disoriented out there. Yeah, just because there's nothing, you know, there's no trees on the course, um, but it's spectacular. There's a lot of blind shots. It's uh, it's it's really cool. You have to be accurate. Um, it was it was fun. Disoriented is a great. Yeah, thing. it I was, was very disorienting. I totally. I. <laughs> that sums up my day. Yeah, vertigo. It Total was, vertigo. Yeah. You're looking around, going, what? Yeah, where am I going? Yeah, get dizzy. I mean, I've, I haven't been overseas to play, but it was just like okay, this is Lynx golf. Like, yeah. you're not flopping any shots out here. Like, you've got to be really creative with how you're chipping, even chipping into the greens. And um, I was thinking about the kind of the Lynx soul connection because my dad was had read this book uh, he, called Golf in the Kingdom that he was really into. And he gave it to me to read, and I must have been 14 or 15. And, you know, it's just mystical, like, magical tale takes place in Scotland and uh, there's a character in there that is like Peter Beams, like Chivas Irons. He's like this guy that's just he's, he's like this artist, but this really spiritual being that's also some tuned into golf in a really weird, like fifth dimensional way somehow. And um, and you know, I, I had found out that John knew the book really well too, and that the name had come from Link Soul had come from the book, and so we had that, you know, that link soul connection through doing that reading and then alan and i talked about that too um and i, I guess you're friends with michael murphy right and uh, we talked about esalen and big sur and all that stuff because we love that area but thought like we had to mention that because that was definitely a cool connection that we discovered that 
felt like it came alive a little bit today out there for me yeah. at least no that the way all these things come full circle is really unique and that's what makes this this game and this sport so great is just the the lifelong friendships and the connections and it's uh you know, I play a lot of pickup basketball. I play a lot of tennis, but you don't have the community like you do yeah, here. It's yeah, just no doubt. Golf is and golf in the kingdom. Honestly, for those people that have n- never heard of it and haven't read it, you should go read it. It is. It's definitely a benchmark, and you know, sort of like learning the esoteric side of the game. You know, a little mm-hmm. bit. It's probably the best podcast we've ever done at the Fire Pit Collective. Was when yeah, we did the, that Nita Fourth with Michael Murphy yeah. and, and Bamberger and Jeff Ogilvy. Like we went, we went way down the rabbit hole on that. But um, I feel like we should play another song here. It's that time in this podcast. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, Ballard Town. Oh yeah, is that one we'd like to play? Literally, sure. Let's I could play that one. I could play an upbeat one. I could play. Well, it's dealer's choice. Whatever you want to play, dealer's we want to listen to. I like that. Well, I made my way to the great northwest To the sleepy little town that I love the best I rode the ferry in the salty breeze As the fog came rolling through the dug fir trees Beheld the water on the Puget Sound Once upon a time in Ballard Town Ballard Town, oh Ballard Town There's no place like it anywhere I've found Six miles north of King Street Station If you ride those rails into Washington On the Salmon Bay in the misty rain I took a stroll down the old brick lane As the autumn leaves gathered on the ground Once upon a time in Ballard Town Ballard Town, oh Ballard Town There's no place like it anywhere I've found whispers to me as the full moon glows in the early morning hours when the foghorn blows she keeps a secret in the pink blue sky where the sidewalks glitter and the seahawks fly above the harbor as the sun goes down once upon a time in ballard town Ballard Town, oh Ballard Town There's no place like it anywhere I've found In the bars, in the taverns, in the old hotel On a warm October I remember well I passed the docks, past the fishermen In the garden by the locks where the ships come in 
Where I dreamed my dream and I drank my fill And I wrote my story while the time stood still As the shadows fell and my sorrows drowned Once upon a time in Ballard Town Ballard Town, oh Ballard Town There's no place like it anywhere I found Ballard Town, oh Ballard Town There's no place like it anywhere I found Yeah, it's neat, it's neat to know the story behind the song. One thing we were talking about, Griffin, was one of the joys of being a traveling musician is you get to play a lot of golf on the road. And uh, so you ha partly to support this EP and partly just because you do it all the time, uh, you've, you've got a lot of shows coming up. Can you give the listeners an, an idea of the, the sweep of your travels here in the coming Oh, months? yeah, I'm coming. What am I doing next? So right after this, I'm on my way to the Sisters Folk Festival, which I've never done before. So I'm going to teach some songwriting workshops with some other artists for the first three days and then play three days uh during the concert festival and then where's that that is in sisters oregon outside of bend cool and um and then i'm going to seattle to play a show at the triple door and then i'm coming back for a little while uh i know i have some shows in atlanta texas florida and then i do a little midwest run um Gosh, LaSalle, Illinois, Madison, Wisconsin, Evanston, Illinois, um, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, I think. I'm missing a bunch, but I've got like 25 shows left this year, so I'm going to be really busy. And my daughter called me today, and she's like, Daddy, I miss you so much. And I'm like, I got another week and a half before I'm home. You got used to me being home this summer, you know? So I talked to her today after the round, and yeah, it's hard, man hard being away from them but i get when i'm home i'm home and i get a lot of quality time with them when i'm back so i'm only on the road like 60 70 days a year probably maybe a few more but uh, on the link to this podcast on the fire pit website we'll, we'll have a link to your, your schedule too oh that'd be great it out. Yeah. yeah uh what's your best tale from from your your, your life as on the road golf wise have you sneaked on any Rumble courses? Did you play with Willie Nelson in his backyard or anything uh, like that? I played with Alice Cooper in in Scottsdale, and um, he was so nice. I had to tell everybody. I'm like, don't worry, I won't tell everybody what a nice guy you are. You know, ruin your reputation. I couldn't wait to say hit the ball, Alice, which I think I had to at least get that in there <laughs> once. But um, he's he, a good player, right? He loves golf. He's a good player. Nicest man. Uh, really, really nice guy. Um, but I'm trying to think. I mean. A couple of the great, you know, I always love being in San Diego because I can stop by it and see these guys in Oceanside. So I love when that gets to happen. But um, I've been out, like, fortunate enough to be in the Carmel area a few times when I've already been out there and I could justify the price tag of Pebble Beach because I'm already there. And so I, I went there, I remember, for the first time, oh, gosh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago and just had a, such a blast i mean it's golf heaven it was just so beautiful driving up around there by Cy cypress point the whole areas like oh man i never want to leave so <laughs> getting to be out there i opened for jewel one time and played again there at pebble beach while i was already out there so 
yeah, those moments, but there's, there's lots of great, great moments on the road. I mean, I've played thousands of shows, so it's hard to, to pick out just a couple, but, um, certainly great when I can go take my sticks with me too and do that during the day and play a show after. I love it. Well, next time you come out to Pebble, we're going to work on your golf itinerary. You have a few more to oh, check man. off the, yeah, the wish totally. list. Absolutely. I'll be, I'll be delighted to help. That'd be amazing. <laughs> just going back to Jakir just for a second and going back on the writing and back on the album and sort of the role you played. I mean, I've only, we peered in on sort of you working with Joe Horowitz on working on a song and making a song. So when, when Griffin comes to you and he has these songs and he's done what he needed to do to get you know, something prepared for presentation. So then what what kicked in there? So what, what do you do from that point to really sort of get it where it is now? Sure. Well, because uh, I didn't answer this yeah. question a little bit earlier about his songwriting. I just would say that Ballardtown, it's like it's the, the, the tone and the feel and the words, it takes you somewhere. I mean, yeah. I, I was like, I'm, I'm into Ballardtown. I've never seen it. But I, I kind of feel like I know what it's like to walk the streets and yeah, um, yeah. So the just the, the the gift he has for um, painting that picture is extraordinary. Yeah, um, it really moves me. I feel something from it. Oh yeah. Um, you know the process. The process is. Um, yeah, we you know we talk. We get to know each other a little bit more. Um, kind of find you know i, I want to know about the person a little bit and i want to share who i am because it's like a kind of a it's an intense thing to make a record you mm. know it's like um you know it's a it's an ambitious effort it's kind of like pulling something out of the air it's kind of like you know it's like the second phase of discover like discovering something and having something kind of brought out of the air of the universe um so you know you kind of want to uh, at least i like like to spend some time getting to know the person and because um, it also sets up the communication to talk about things that are hard to talk about you know just in terms of like creative creativity and inter interpreting and painting a sonic picture that supports that story and that, that feels that doesn't doesn't take you off the narrative complete you know fills it out and gives it some support and um so and that is the act of production that's the producing of it all that, yeah that's i mean there's definitely that's a i mean there's a lot of ways to do it but you know for me that's it's important because you know there's uh you know like a, a lot of times and even even if it takes five years uh um in the case of lifeline i mean it starts with a seed of an idea you know there's a, a moment of inspiration if it's just you know playing some chords or walking in Ballardtown and just singing that that you know that phrase, uh, but so that's that's my goal is always to find that truth, you know. And um, we had a false start with the first song. We were going to do the easy one, which we thought was Lifeline because it was the most together song. And we started playing it and just wasn't working at all. It wasn't vibing. And so, like part of what Jakir and I have to be able to do together, which requires skill, is like, okay, how do we? It's like you're kind of we're heading down a bad road here like we need this is the first song and this is not working and you start think you're tempted to think like oh shit is the whole session gonna go like this like is it gonna we're gonna turn this around and so we have you have to be creative about i thought you could explain that maybe uh, sure well, i mean it's just you have to you have to be uh so got off to a little bit of a rough start <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's not uncommon i mean that's not uncommon it's like first tee jitters I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. You like you we doubled it. our first net double <laughs> so i first doubled my first <laughs> 
<laughs> we were back to even. <laughs> yeah. But you have to but been you know, there. You have to have a conversation. <laughs> you have to be honest and just kind of like, you know, you have to address it and kind of try to f- redirect it. Um, and, you know, just kind of just be honest. That's the, that's the thing. That's the important part of building relationship is because you need so much honesty and transparency, you know, because not all. I mean, it's just like these are Griffin's like his songs, you know, that's like. This is like this amazing thing that he pulls together, you know, so you have to, yeah, communication and being honest and finding the truth, really. Uh, We talked about, you know, Griffin started sending me songs and I would listen and, you know, I'd have some, most of, a lot of it was just very encouraging because he's he's an excellent song crafter, Um, you know, and then in terms of like the record making perspective, I'd just, you know, maybe say a few things about like the structure or I think we might have dropped a verse from a song or something yeah, like that. Well, you put a you put a great band together, and then you you also spent so much time, you know, trying out different mics and taking so much care and getting the right sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I the you know, it's like, you know, you pick the songs, and it's like, okay, uh, what musicians are gonna what you know what professional musicians can I um, bring together that are come gonna come in the room and immediately switch oh you know switch into being a band member like they're going to show up yeah. and they're going to be invested they're, yeah, not, just, and they're add, not just add value right add just value, add value yeah. to the whole because you know deal. it's just like they have to you know they have to be creative on the fly in a yeah. way and and sort of respond and react to you mm. know you know it's like you we send them yeah. the songs before but yeah. then there's a difference being in the room mm. and playing with griffin you know it's just yeah. like so assembled we were they were five in the studio uh, you know, playing live together, and we spend a little bit of time. You know, we listen back to the demo. We talk about what everybody's feeling. They go out in the room and they play a little bit. I'm working on the sounds. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like trying to get, you know, where where everybody's sitting and 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 how all those things kind of work. And you know, there's a dialogue back and forth about the nuances of maybe the way the drums are working with the vocal. It's like, you know, because Griffin's used to playing on his own a lot you know which yeah right so there's a lot of rhythm yeah and stuff that he implies or he's playing that's implied um that has to be honored some of it's stripped away you know you kind of have to like okay well we need that but you know the drums need to do that you know so it's just like so he's got to he's got to adjust um to something that he's become familiar with yeah i was gonna ask griffin how was that for you to play with a band instead of yourself because it's totally different right i mean yeah i mean do i you dig it or what? i love any chance i get to play with a band and i don't get to do it very often but it's uh it's also like kind of what has shaped the live performances that i do because it's almost forced me to talk more and tell right, more stories right, yeah, so I, i've ended up people yeah. tend to the feedback i get a lot is like oh i like when you tell, right, tell stories right. you're a good storyteller i'm like <laughs> yeah. i'm just trying to like you know make yeah, something up you know going. just to try to make a connection and talk to you guys and Been there. you know <laughs> and uh, so but um playing with a band is it's so exciting in the studio I actually i mean i felt I so fulfilled every night when i went home and it felt really magical when it all came together and it's always really exciting to be able to be in the studio and i wish i could do it all the time because there's so much collective energy when you have five six seven people in the room all working on the same thing and you hear it back through the the monitors in the control room and it just sounds like it's come to life you know and that's a a beautiful feeling Mm -hmm. 
So I, I remember being really, really happy that week. And I often don't feel like, oh man, I, I mean, I forget that I even do that sometimes with how busy life can be, you know? And then it's almost like, oh no, like this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like it's it <laughs> kind of like right gives you a nice confirmation of, of, of doing, you know, that you're on the right track or something. But um, it was it was great playing with that band. They were a great band. On drums, uh, Logan Todd played drums. Eli Beard played bass. Drew Smithers on guitar, electric guitar. And then Elliot Blaufus on keys and a couple other things. Yeah. I think he played, did he play, he played a... He played some guitar. He played some accord, didn't he play, what did he play accordion on? Probably some accordion oh. and some high-strung guitar. Yeah, high-strung guitar, oh. yeah. It was a, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, you know, and then we get out there and kind of work on it a little bit and they come in and listen with me and we talk, you know, and, I, and that's like a constantly, you got to constantly pay attention to what, you know, the artist Griffin's, how he's feeling, you know, it's just like, you know, so it's a, it's a very fun, dynamic thing that moves very fast, you know, but, but then, you know, sometimes you can have false starts and you've got to, got to redirect. Sometimes you take lunch, sometimes you just have a long conversation, you just kind of keep pounding away at it, it just depends. Well, nice work, boys. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Thank you for all the work. We we're gonna enjoy the fruits of your labor on uh, on this on listening to all the, the songs on the album. But um, we might maybe wrap with one more here. Yeah, I was working on this one, and and Jakir was like, "Oh, you need a uh, maybe give me like one up tempo one." And I was like, "Oh, that's cool," because I'm actually kind of working on an up tempo one. And um, I had been, uh, I took a trip to play a private show down in Costa Rica right after the day after Thanksgiving and I had my guitar with me and there was a lot of downtime so I was in my hotel room there again and I came up with the chorus down there in the, the hotel room and then, um, so I had this chorus, I was like, this chorus is pretty good but I need some verse and so I don't know where it came from but it was a little bit autobiographical of like these snapshots of just remembering kind of how my uh, wife and I met and where I was at the time. One of the images was uh, when I was driving from Oregon down overnight. I played a show and then I drove with my buddy like nine hours through the night to see a high school friend who uh, had ended up, he kind of, through unfortunate circumstances, he ended up on death row in San Quentin. And I got this idea, like I, I just felt like I needed to go see him. I was supposed to go see him. So I went through this long process of getting permission to go into San Quentin prison and visit this guy who I went to high school with. And so I, we drove through the night and I went across the Golden Gate Bridge for the first time and went in to see him in San Quentin. And then um, I remember that image of the Golden Gate Bridge and that view for the first time driving around the bend and looking out at the bay. And then uh, several years after that, I met my wife in San Francisco, and we were married in City Hall in San Fran. So San Fran, had, there's a lot of symbolism for me in that, just like crossing that bridge and um, eventually moving to Nashville with her. And um, she had a dog named Floyd, so all that might make sense when I play the song, I guess. I was staring down a dream, I was trying not to fail I was on the outside, I had a friend in jail 
love was on time, but I was running late. I was heading south across the Golden Gate. It was you and me, baby, and pretty boy Floyd. It was us against the world trying to fill that void. It's a miracle we made it, but I'd do it all again. We were just a couple fools rushing in. I was gonna stick it out through thick and thin. You were red and I was black and blue. Dead set on you. Dead set on you. I had my mind made up in my heart. Dead set on you. To kill a mockingbird in Nashville, Tennessee, out of the corner of my eye. You were looking sideways. Lost that first child and I had to sober up Another day in this life felt just like suicide Trapped between the false and true Dead set on you Dead set on you I had my mind made up in my heart Dead set on you Dead set on you
real-time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.